this is the money maker right here. Like if you plan during planning time and you make phone calls during phone time, you make a ton of money in the recruiting business. That's the cardinal sin is, you know, when you see recruiters planning during phone time, that's literally taking money right out of your pocket. Welcome to the Resilient Recruiter Podcast. This is your host, Mark Whitby. Today's guest is Jordan Rayboy. Jordan needs no introduction. He's been recruiting for over 20 years. Many of those years, he's built over seven figures. Last time Jordan came on the podcast was way back in February 2021, episode 43. Rather than rehash his bio for you, I would refer you back to that episode, which was one of our most popular episodes of all time. It was called How to Build a Million Dollar Recruiting Firm from Your RV. I think it was popular because Jordan was very real. He showed a a vulnerable side of Jordan Rayboy that maybe people hadn't really seen before. Um, You're going to love this episode. I'm looking forward to it. Jordan, welcome. Thank you for doing this again. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me again. Good to be here. Hey, Jordan, I'm grateful to you for a couple of reasons. One, you were kind enough to do a private Q&A session for my Inner Circle Coaching uh, group, which people still talk about, by the way. Um, Secondly, you introduced me to Joel Slenning who I'm now collaborating with. I don't know if you know this story. He said he was talking to you recently. Um, so he's a, such a great guy. I just really clicked with him. And uh, so he and I are now running a group called Apex, which is a coaching program for seven-figure recruiting firm owners who really want to scale and grow to eight figures and build a business that runs without them, uh, which he's already done himself, which is part of why I invited him to uh, to join me on that. So. Uh, so I owe you, uh, I've not sent you a thank you gift, but I, I do owe you, man. I appreciate That's, it. That is so great to hear. I love, I love hearing about the ripple effect of like, you know, it's, it, it's kind of what we do for a living. We make introductions and then you hear years later about how this has positively impacted people's lives. And yeah, Joel's one of, one of the best humans I know. And uh, I was in Bend, Oregon a couple weeks ago for a gravel race and I had dinner with Joel and you know, it's great to hear how he's um, uh, he's just doing all kinds of amazing things in the world. So, um, you totally. know, one, 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 of the, one of the most badass recruiters I've ever met. And yeah, he scaled multiple recruiting businesses. So it's not like he got lucky and did it once. He's He's got a, a recipe that works. And so uh, that is a great guy for you to uh, hitch up wagons with. 100%. So listen, last time we caught up was about, I don't know, 15 months or so ago. What is new and exciting or what's going on in the life of Jordan Rayboy since we last spoke? Wow. Um, well, at that point, I don't know if it was still in the depths of the pandemic where I was worried about. It was, yeah. Yeah. My, my primary focus was on growing food and raising chickens at the time. And, um, you know, I think the coast is, is a lot more clear now. Um, we've added a third little Rayboy uh to the brood, oh, to the brood, yeah. So, so Asher Rogue uh, is about seven months old now. Um, Hunter is three, Ryder is five, going on six, and uh, we're back out in the RV. So, as I sit here, you see little kids' toys everywhere. Also, <laughs> since then, we've we've ripped the desk out of the RV, and there's the kids' bunk beds where my desk used oh, to be. Oh, that's awesome! I've been relocated. Uh, from working in the RV to working in our air-conditioned car trailer and, um, you know, figured out how to continue being on the road, living the dream with uh, three little kids, two dogs. Um, I should share the dogs 
Yarrow and Rogie Mama. So still, uh, still doing it. Sixteen years into the adventure with uh, with the whole family. So it's uh, it's amazing. Great. Congratulations on uh, number three. I've got three kids as well. It uh, can be a zoo, but um, but it's <laughs> just yeah, it's uh, it's awesome. And so three kids, two dogs, traveling on the road. How how does that actually work? I can't quite like. I love the kind of digital nomad lifestyle you've built for yourself, but uh, I don't talk me through the logistics. Like, what's a typical day for you uh, that's that's a great question um it works as long as the rv works when the rv stops working but <laughs> but when the rv works you know typically we we uh we roam on the weekends and uh, we try to stay parked in one place during the week and now with all the kids stuff it takes a long time to, to pack and unpack so we try to stay two three four weeks at a time in a given place right now we're in bentonville arkansas uh, one of the cycling hotbeds, which is our, the types of places I tend to visit these days. We also just recently bought a duplex here because rent, uh, re real estate is doing really well and we like the area. So, uh, we're in Bentonville this month. You know, typically I get up around seven, take the dogs for a walk. Um, you know, get into the home office around eight, get into email. I try to get on the phones by eight thirty, and I, you know, just generally have a work schedule these days from eight thirty to four thirty. Um, you know, I'm not trying to kill myself, put put myself in the ground, working too many hours. Um, you know, at 4:30, uh, it's time for me to gear up and get ready to go ride my bike. You know, I typically leave on my bike around five. I'll ride an hour to get to a group ride that might start at six. I would do a group ride from six to eight, and I'm home home around 8:30. Um, eat dinner, go to bed, do it again. So, trying to find a balance between work and and life and you know, Jessica found a, a hot yoga place she likes going to. Um, some days uh, during the week when she wants to do that, I stop working at 2.30. I watch the kids from 2.30 to 4.30 so she can go to hot yoga. I'll usually do my planning during that time. Um, you know, just plan my calls for the next day and, uh, and then go on my bike ride and try to be the best husband and father I could be, try to be healthy. And, um, you know, my work supports the rest of my life uh versus you know living to work and working to live and uh and i'm happier like that I'm, a, I'm in a much happier more positive mental place than the last time we talked for sure that's beautiful man i'm i'm glad i'm i'm delighted to hear that and it's interesting because i i think as we progress on this journey through life we go through sort of different phases um in our life and I just wonder, looking back over yours, like you, there's been phases where you've been very motivated in the pursuit of financial success and all the toys and the, um, you know, uh, th that kind of thing. And you, it sounds like you're in a different place now. If you look back, <clears throat> what what are those kind of milestones for you where you can see that things shifted and you were focused on different different uh, priorities? It's, it's so, um, it's interesting hearing you say that because I was just listening to a, I think it was a rich roll podcast where he was talking with a guy, was it chip Kelly or chip chip something or other. And he was talking about becoming a modern elder and, um, you know, how the first portion of your life is really focused on accumulation. And usually that's up to like age 45 or 47. And for me, it happened 
you know, earlier than that, probably because I started recruiting right after my sophomore year of college at age 20 and um, had a lot of success really early. I think I was billing 900 by the time I was 23 and uh, went out on my own at 26 and, you know, had a lot of really good years. And I was really focused on accumulation and I was focused on significance and I was focused on that ego, you know, pursuit of being at the top of the rankings and um, keeping score and trying to impress people and caring about things that right now at 42 with three kids, um, I'm focused on, you know, what can I do to make my wife happy? What can I do to make my kids' dreams come true? And, um, you know, I, I, um, I feel like I, going back to the podcast, they talk about how up to a certain age, typically it's like 45, 47, you're focused on accumulation. And after that, it's like attunement or like kind of paring back and getting rid of things or giving more things away and, um, you know, kind of prioritizing what's really most important. And that's, that's just kind of what I've, what I've worked through these past couple of years is figuring out what really fills up my cup. And, um, I used to have a virtual team. I've, I've had up to uh, 11 people on the team that we, we uh, including Jessica and myself, that we led virtually. And right now I'm back to being solo and uh, I'm super happy. And yeah, I don't have people to outsource and delegate things to, which would be nice at times, but uh, I'm happy making my own schedule and, um, you know, doing, doing what, uh, what makes uh, most sense for us at, at any given time. So, wow! I love that, Rich. Uh, sorry, I lo- you, I said Rich because you you said Rich for a podcast. I love that, Jordan. Um, <clears throat> I'm surprised that you listen, to Rich Roll, because that's one of my favorites as well. Um, because he promotes a vegan lifestyle, and he's like on a uh, sobriety. You know, have you read his autobiography? Uh, I have not, but I am also uh, on a sobriety kick. Not not from the alcohol, though. Uh, I think this month makes uh, 14 months since I last touched marijuana, which um, I'm very, I'm very proud of and, and has made a a big positive impact on my life. And he also happens to be an ultra endurance athlete. Um, And, uh, you know, he's on the running track. I'm more of a cycling junkie myself. So uh, I love his podcast. I listen to it for hours on end while I'm riding my bike. Oh, that's so cool. I'm, uh, I'm, interested to hear you say that. I uh, am a fan of Rich Roll, and I am also plant-based, and I've taken up running a couple of years ago. I ran my first half marathon just uh, a few weeks ago, which I never would have thought I could have done because I was was athletic when I was in high school and university, but since having kids and, and, you know, working, having your own business, all of that just slipped by the wayside, and I was 100% sedentary um and uh just realized i had to had to make a change so there you go um way to yeah. way, way to vote with your feet and um yeah yeah i mean it's it's way too easy to um you know make things like work a priority and you don't you don't make your own health a priority and most people don't realize oftentimes until it's too late if you don't take care of yourself and make make your health number one, then there's not as much of you to show up at work. There's not as much of you to show up uh, to take care of your family and be the best uh, partner and parent and spouse that you could be. And, you know, so that's why, 
you know, I kind of made this conscious, intentional decision to make make my health uh, a top priority. And when I have more energy and, you know, frankly, I'm happier, uh, I'm a better husband and father and I'm, I'm, I'm better at uh, being, uh, you know, helping clients and candidates in our business as well. Absolutely. I uh, couldn't agree more. I love the quote, every action you take is a vote for the person you want to become. And, you know, that extends not just to work, but definitely to every dimension. Um, is that, is that, Jordan, from, is that from Atomic ahead. Habits? Yes, I think it is, actually. That sounds like I, something uh, from James Clear. With the t- that's my, it, my, exactly, that's my, yeah. my, my favorite book. That book is magic. Love that book. Yeah, we we have a, a book club for our clients, and that has that's one of the all time favorite things that we've uh, we've studied together. Um, so, Jordan, what you're describing sounds amazing. Like focusing, prioritizing, reprioritizing your life, focusing on what is going to make you happy, finding more balance. Um, but you're still doing really well. You're which is not easy. Like, how have you managed to find that balance, and and what does that entail? Well, you know, one 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 thing about being intentional with your time is schedule first things first. You know, if my health is mm. important, when is my health going on the schedule? You know, I I don't run for twenty minutes. I go ride for three hours on the weekend. I don't ride for three hours. I might ride for five or six hours if that means I need to get up at five or six in the morning to do you know, the types of rides that I want to do because uh, last weekend I I was in Emporia, Kansas for this unbound 200 gravel race and it was a 13 and a half hour race and you don't get fit for that doing a 20 minute ride. You get fit for that doing five, six, eight hour training rides so that on race day when it comes to 13 hours, you could dig deep and you know you're going to be prepared to do that. But, um, you know, I schedule my health. I schedule, you know, I, I, I work with Jessica on this. I'm like, your health needs to be a priority. You love doing hot yoga. Let me know your hot yoga schedule. I'm putting that on my schedule. You know, I schedule both of our health before I schedule phone calls with clients or candidates. You know, they get the rest of the time. So I make first things first. I know that sleep is a very important component of my health. I need to be in, I wear a whoop strap now. I, I recommend whoop. You know, what can be measured can be improved you don't realize how much or how little you're actually sleeping until you start tracking it. And, you know, I might be in bed for nine hours, but whoop tells me I'm only actually sleeping for six and a half or seven and a half or whatever it might be. And it tells you how much of your sleep is actually REM sleep or deep sleep or light sleep or time that you're actually awake. So I put sleep on my schedule. I want to be in bed for nine hours. So I actually get eight hours of sleep because it's important for my health. So um, I schedule my health first. I schedule my time with my family first and maybe I'm enough on autopilot now after 22 years at work that when it's time to ground and pound, uh, you know, I, I've, I've done sessions on power planning. So I'm, I'm a pretty efficient planner. And if you've got a good plan, you can eliminate distractions and execute on your plan during work hours. But, um, I think that's, that's probably doing it. Uh, you know, my new process is scheduling the non-work things first and work kind of fills in the gaps versus a lot of people take the opposite approach and, you know, therefore work becomes their life. And right now work is definitely not my life. Work is how I finance the dream and how I finance the adventure. 
and uh, fantastic in a happier place because of that. All right, that's amazing. If you're a recruitment business owner, you might be feeling the pressure to invest in new technology. But how do you invest in technology that is proven to win higher paying clients? Otherwise, overall, you're just making a financial loss. Our trusted partner, iIntro, has a solution for this. They provide recruiters with an online delivery platform for the candidate shortlist. So instead of sending over CVs or resumes, you can send your clients an online profile that includes video, key competency questionnaires, and behavioral assessments. It looks more professional than a CV or a PDF, plus it helps the client make a more informed decision about who to call to interview. But that's not all. iIntro also provides recruitment business owners with coaching for their team, not just to help them use the software, but to help them use it to win more retained business. Their comprehensive training program is specifically designed to help recruiters at all levels of experience develop their retained recruitment service. In fact, many of the hundreds of recruitment businesses they've worked with win a brand new retained client after only a few weeks of getting started. To see iIntro in action, just go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained to book a free demonstration. There's no obligation, plus you'll also be helping to support this podcast. That's recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained. So you talked about eliminating distractions. Part of that is your power planning process. But what I find a lot of people, and myself included, Jordan, so I'm keen to hear your uh, wisdom on this. I make great plans. But then um, it's it's that focused intensity and uh, that you need to execute on your plan when there's so many things pulling your attention. So how do you eliminate those distractions and stay on plan? Yeah, well, you gotta. That, that's it. That's uh, that. That's a good question. Um, yeah, obviously you gotta have open and closed hours. You know, just like I have open and closed hours. For work, I have open and closed hours for personal. When I'm on my bike, if someone calls me or texts me, like I just don't answer. That's my that's yeah. my Zen time that I'm I'm doing that. Um, when I'm at work, I tell Jessica, you know, don't come in the trailer. I'm I'm closed for for personal. I'm open for business, and um, mm-hmm. you know, so that's one thing. Um, you know, having a good plan allows you to be the author of your own story. Let's say because you're going to make the calls and write the emails that uh, you want to proactively make versus being reactive to people calling you or emails coming into you. Um, you know, if, if there's a number that calls me that I don't recognize, that number just goes to voicemail. If it's important, they'll leave me a message. If it's spam, they won't. They'll just call back 25 more times and it'll keep going to voicemail. <laughs> That's a great way to eliminate distractions as well as can't help candidates or people calling trying to sell you something or whatever it is. Um, check in your, you know, keep your email closed or check your email at scheduled intervals is another is another great strategy. You know, if you have your email open, especially if you have an email ding that dings you every time you get a message, you're constantly switch tasking back and forth between trying to execute on your plan versus reacting to whatever's coming at you. So you know, just trying to do what, uh, being intentional about uh, always trying to be proactive instead of reacting to what's coming at you. Absolutely. It's, uh, I mean, just even the one tip of switching off your email when you're not doing an email block uh, is 
critical, but so many people find that hard. Actually, Jordan, focus is my theme for 2022. And uh, I ran a session about how to avoid distractions and stay focused for for my group. But it's kind of like you teach what you most need to learn. So uh, always looking for new input and ideas on this. A couple of books that I read in help to help myself uh, and my clients, which um, I'm wondering if you uh, if you've come across. One is called Indistractable by Nir Eyal. Have you seen that one? E Y A. I've not heard of that, but. That sounds that sounds great. Um, I need yeah. some of that. <laughs> well, what what uh, what was interesting about that one is <clears throat> his career was working with like social media platforms and game companies to make their products more sticky, so that they would pull people's attention, and so he's then written the opposite book on how to avoid getting sucked in to um, spending time on what other people or other companies want you to spend time on and be the master of your own attention. Um, so that one's pretty interesting. Um, yeah, there's- Well, there's, yeah, it's, and on, it's on, on that note, yeah. getting, getting mm-hmm. better at saying no to things and getting better at saying no to people. That's why if, if a number calls my phone that I don't recognize, it's just my rule. It goes to voicemail. Um, a lot of people, because especially because we're in a phone business, they just automatically pick up every phone call. Um, yeah. If you're a business owner, you get calls from people trying to sell you stuff all day long, especially if you're a recruiting business owner. Now you get calls from these RPO companies trying to, you know, hire virtual assistants for you or whatever. Like I, I just get calls from people all day long that I know are just trying to take my time away from things that I want to spend my time on. Um so, but yeah. you know, it's often the distractions are not other people. They're self, you're distracting yourself or like, that's what I find. And sometimes it's, it's not that the things that you're are pulling your attention are a waste of time. That's the problem is <clears throat> there's so there's like a hundred different things I could do today that are in some way related to, you know, my goals and kind of major projects and priorities. Right. And uh, sometimes it's like you just get distracted by other stuff that is also good stuff for you to be working on. It's just not what you should be doing right this moment. So how do you kind of prioritize those things like, and be laser focused? So, so great question. So in, in this power planning session that I've, I've, uh, I, I've done many times, you know, I talk about this book, um, multitasking is worse than a lie and uh, or no it's called the myth of multitasking and the fact yeah. that the the concept of multitasking was actually a concept created for computers that could actually do two different tasks at once and we as humans right. are not computers we're switch tasking from one to the other to the other to the other and every time you switch there is a time cost to refocus find your place and start executing again and these time costs add up. It's like every time you make a phone call, check an email, get a cup of coffee, make a phone call, check an email, go to the bathroom, get more water, make another phone call, check an email, respond to an email, you know, check your voicemail. It's like every one of these times you switch tasks, these costs add up. And it's literally hundreds of times throughout the day. What if it's one minute at a time? What if it's one, you know, 10 seconds at a time, but it's times 
200 times a day. It's like all of a sudden you're talking about hours a day and you wonder why you're stuck on one and a half or two hours of phone time instead of getting four hours of phone time. Um, you know, if you're super focused on executing a plan, you can work a six or eight hour day and easily get four hours of phone time. And that's kind of where I'm where I'm at these days is I just try to be hyper efficient and focused when it's time to 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 pound a list. You pound a list and you eliminate these distractions. But um, you asked about, you know, getting pulled in different directions. Yeah, you you know, if you want to be an industry expert, you need to read articles about what's going on in your industry. But should you be doing that in the middle of your your call plan at 1030 in the morning or do it during planning time? Yeah, you need to schedule your calls so you know who you're going to call. So you could, you know, how are you going to pound a list if you don't build the list? Do that all at once during planning time. You need to have a script so you know exactly what you're going to say to people. Yeah, write your script during planning time. Practice your script during planning time. You write a mass email. You've got mass email responses. People are responding all day long. Should you stop after every phone call every time you get a mass email response? No, just move them all into one folder and go through them all in a very focused manner. Next, 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 next. It's like if you're pounding through a list of 50 calls, it's like next call, next call, next call, next call. Within five seconds of hanging up one phone call, you're on to the next phone call. You'd be surprised that you could leave 10 voicemails in 10 minutes. You could make 50 phone calls in an hour. I mean, that's if you get nothing but voicemails. But uh, people wonder why they can't make more than 10 or 15 calls because after every call, trying to figure out who am I going to call next? What am I going to say to this person? You spend two or three minutes getting ready for a phone call that just inevitably ends up in a voicemail anyway. So having a scheduled planning time that you could do all of these activities, all your administration, all of your call scheduling, all of your script writing, all of your industry research, all of your blogging or tweeting or whatever you're doing on social media, you know, all of those things all at once in a very focused manner. So it's like next, 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 having a checklist of what are those activities you need to do during planning time, doing them during planning time, because rule number one is plan during planning time. If you're planning during phone time, Jessica's shaking her butt because she's like, this is the money maker right here. Like if you plan during planning time and you make phone calls during phone time, you make a shit ton of money in the recruiting business. Excuse my language. Um, that's the cardinal sin is, is, you know, when you see recruiters planning during phone time, that's literally taking money right out of your pocket. So having a dedicated time on your schedule that you're going to do all of these activities in a very focused manner. Um, and if it means, hey, you're scheduling an hour block in your schedule to do this group of activities, you know, like Mark doing outreach to people for your podcast. Um, hey, you're going to do that in a focused manner. So you hit 10 or 20 of those in a row versus doing those throughout your day and every time having to switch switch tasks and refine your place. And that's just less efficient. So absolutely i love it uh no that's all right <clears throat> so if you're well just on switch tasking by the way you reminded me when I, I found a an experiment that was done by a teacher and what he did was he he got his students he divided them into two groups and he got them to one group had to count um like one to 26 like okay count to 26 go and it takes like 10 11 seconds and A to Z to say the alphabet. Again, it takes like eight or nine seconds to say the whole alphabet really fast. But then he, no, it wasn't two groups. It was the same people and he got them to time themselves. And then what he got them to do is go one, A, two, B, three, C, I, four, so, B. So it, 
in, in the myth of multitasking, they do that exact yeah. exercise, and it takes about two or okay. three times as long. And you make all kinds of mistakes. You're misspelling stuff. You feel like an idiot. And and you you yeah. you come you everyone. And by the way, I've had people do that exact exercise live and time themselves, and people are laughing and they're missing words. You spell out the myth of multitasking. And you spell out the numbers one through twenty-seven, and you do it in a focused manner, and then you do it in a switch task manner, and um, it becomes very apparent to people that um, multitasking is worse. the The phrase is multitasking is worse than a lie um, in the exercise. So I, I wholeheartedly agree with what you're saying. It it actually well on the the graph that I I saw it took about five times longer to do the exercise wow. when you're split split tasking that way. Um, so Jordan, if you're you're aiming to finish up at 4.30 in the afternoon so you can get on to your cycling and your family time and your everything else. Um, so does that mean your power planning is at what, 3.30 before you finish up or when when does that happen? Uh, yeah, some, somewhere thereabouts. Um, it might be towards the end of the day. It might be at night when I get home from my ride. And I travel in an RV and I'm in different time zones. So if I'm on the West Coast, that might be from 6.30 a.m. until 2.30 in the afternoon. If I'm on the East Coast, you know, I might be doing group rides in the morning at 6 a.m. And I start my day at 9.30 and I work 9.30 to 5.30 or 9.30 to, you know, 6. So my, my time zones shift and my cycling schedule shifts, whether I'm riding in the morning before work or uh, at the end of the day after work. Um, but yeah, I make sure that planning time is on the schedule one way or the other. It might be, it, my, my planning time might shift, uh, accordingly, depending on my time zone as well. Amazing. Awesome. So, uh, you mentioned that your priorities have changed and you're more focused on, um, things that allow you to create balance and, and find happiness. And you've mentioned, you've given two great examples. One is, you know, cycling that you scheduled, the other is sleep. The third is scheduling stuff together with Jessica. Um, what else are you prioritizing? What else gets Jordan Rayboy's top priority time and attention these days? Um, that's a good question. Well, again, I mean, with health, you know, the health component, as, as you know, being plant-based, um, what you put in your body affects the, the outcome of, uh, how much energy you have. And, um, you know, so prioritizing, putting the right things in your body, prioritizing, minimizing, uh, the poisons that you put in your body, you know, also, uh, prioritizing the right things that you put into your mind. You know, you got to stand, stand guard at the gates of your mind, um, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was way too focused on bad news. And now it's like, I'm kind of oblivious to most of what's going on in the world. It's funny. People are like, oh, the market, you know, the stock market's dropped. This, I'm like, really? I didn't, I didn't know that. That's good to know, but I'm not worried about it. I'm 42. I have a longer time horizon. The market's going to go up and down. You know, maybe that's a bad example, but, um, you know, Ukraine and, the January 6th committee and all these other things that are just noise that don't, don't really impact me in, in, uh, in my regular walks of life. I just tune all that out. I just basically, I, I, I don't even read news except sports news. And occasionally, um, 
bad news for the world starts invading my sports news and I have to tune that out also. So I, it's okay. I definitely want to talk about this with you. Um, the news and the, because there's a whole, there's a whole topic around that in terms of uncertainty in the market right now. Um, but before we do that, just coming back to your prioritizing your health and energy. Um, why did you decide to give up marijuana? Um, that's a great question because I'm an addict, um, because okay. I couldn't control it. Um, you know, and I, I have a property in Oregon and I lease one of our fields to marijuana growers that have a recreational marijuana <laughs> farm, you know? So I, uh, for me, it's just a real estate transaction. I'm not in the quote marijuana business, but I have a giant marijuana operation at the bottom of my property. So, um, it was, it was literally at my fingertips and I was quote the king of the hill so I could walk in and, you know, acquire it, uh, with ease, let's just say, but, um, uh, let's see, it makes me an idiot. It brings my IQ down by about 80%. Uh, it makes me a, a bad husband and father. My, my wife, Jessica, God bless her. She's my best friend and she thrives on connection. And I literally couldn't carry on a sentence. I would turn into a, literally a blubbering idiot. Uh, like my, my dogs had more intelligence than I, than I did when I would smoke. Um, I had no motivation. I uh, no certainly no motivation to ride my bike. I'm also asthmatic, and it would make me not able to breathe. And um, you know, breathing's important. You learn that when all of a sudden you can't breathe. Breathing becomes the most important thing in your life. Things that subconsciously you shouldn't even have to think about. Um, what else? Besides it being bad for my health, bad for my relationship with my wife, um, made me a horrible example for my kids. Um, you know, it made me not work as hard in my business. Um, I had no growth and I would just lower my standards and I didn't like the peer group that I would surround myself with. And you feel like you're the smartest guy in the room. That means you're in the wrong room. Um, I would just surround myself with people playing life at a lower level and I had no aspirations for growth. I would totally just kill my growth mindset. Um, I could go on and on. I have a, I, I have a mantra that I created of, I will not smoke today. And like, literally I went through, it must've been 50 different reasons. My, why marijuana is poisonous to my life. And, um, now being 14 months clean on the other side of that, um, my life is just so much better without it in every way. And I'm actually part of a pure accountability group. Uh, it's a sobriety accountability group. And interestingly enough, everyone else in the group is in the group to not drink. And one guy, my buddy, Mark Phillips hasn't drank now. And I think coming up on two and a half years, Kathy Stewart, who you should have on your podcast, if you haven't already. Um, she's amazing. Kathy, who saw me present at a, at a, at the NAPS conference last year. And, you know, I had talked about being six months clean at that point. She came up to me at the end of my presentation. She's like, Jordan, I, I've just decided after hearing you, I need to stop drinking. I've had a glass of wine or two or four every night for the last 25 years. This needs to stop. It's not okay. I'm like, I want to help you join our group. And we have this bi-weekly conference call, you know, and um, we just hold each other accountable. And now um, my buddy, uh, you know, a, a couple of other friends from Pinnacle, you know, who, when I shared this at the recent Pinnacle meeting in April, they're like, Jordan, I need to quit smoking cigarettes. 
Jordan, I need to quit drinking. I'm like, I want to help you. Come join our group. And all of a sudden, we've got five people in our little biweekly peer accountability group. And everyone's got their vice that they're committed to stopping. And everyone, you know, we just kind of give each other support and allow each other to share your little successes and these little wins. And, you know, more importantly, a shared commitment becomes a strong commitment. You know, and you could commit to yourself, you're not going to smoke. But if you commit to a bunch of other people that you care about and respect, um, that you're not going to smoke, that shared commitment becomes a stronger commitment. It's interesting. I didn't think this conversation was going to take this direction, Jordan, to be honest, but I haven't drunk any, well, I've had maybe one or two glasses of wine or champagne in about 20 years, uh, I would say. That's awesome. Uh, But I usually don't share that. You've made it okay to to do that because I feel like most people can't relate to that and it's going to break rapport because they're going to be like you know, who the hell is this guy? Like, why does he, I don't know. I think that's an alien idea for, for many, many just normal folks. They don't, they're not alcoholics, but they do like a drink and, uh, I'm not, so I'm not making that wrong for anyone else. I just know for me, it, um, it drains my energy and it's, I feel like I'm less healthy and I feel like, um, yeah, I just don't feel good when I drink Yeah, and, and it, it, if you drink, you know, too many, then the next day is a write-off. So it, it hampers your productivity. I just feel better. I feel mentally clearer and better without without drinking. So I, although I, I I was I was never addicted, I don't think. Uh, I just I just cut it out. <clears throat> yeah. Well, and, and and kudos to you, Mark. And I think you've you simply voiced what most people know, which is that alcohol is poison. It literally is a poison inside your body. It's why if you drink too much of it, you feel poisoned. You regurgitate it out because your body's rejecting it. You feel crappy the next day because you've poisoned your body. Um, You know, if you wear a whoop strap, you know, it gives you a recovery score. It tells you how well you sleep. If you have one beer the next day, your whoop strap represents that you didn't sleep that well because your body is processing this poison out of out of your system. And, um, is that right? Wow. Yeah. I mean, the, the whoop doesn't lie. If your resting heart rate is higher, if your heart rate variability is lower, you know, your it literally is a score for your autonomic nervous system. It tells you how well your, your internal systems are functioning. And if you have a beer or two, your recovery score isn't as high as if you do not. And, um, you know, I have a beer or two every now and then, but it almost always makes me feel tired. Um, it doesn't have this positive euphoric effect that it used to. And, um, and then the next day I'm like, why did I do that? You know, and this is from someone that like, literally I love the taste of beer and I love craft, craft beers. And, um, but the, the bottom line is that alcohol is poison. And if you disagree, you're, you're simply lying to yourself. Even people that love drinking know that it's poison is pick your poison. You know, it's putting, (laughs) putting a poison inside your body. And that's kind of what I discovered with marijuana. And, you know, this is coming from someone that smoked marijuana pretty much nonstop throughout the day uh, for 20 plus years from when I was, uh, you know, in college at 19 or 20 until 14 months ago. Wow. Jordan, I think everyone knows it's poison. The reason people do it, though, is it's sociable. And that's the problem is a lot of social... Uh, situations and like friends and family revolves around uh, food and alcohol. And so, and then 
and I found like it did make it harder to make friends at work when I was like yep. in my first recruiting job. Cause they all go to the pub on Thursday or Friday night. And, um, you're kind of the odd man out. You're, you're, yeah, it, it that's the reason. That's, I, that's the I reason. And, and yeah, I, I hear but, that loud uh, and clear. Fortunately, I'm, um, <clears throat> I'm in an RV with my wife and kids. So I don't have that, that, uh, that personal challenge, yeah. but you know, what I have fallen in love with is LaCroix seltzer waters. Um, and, uh, you know, honestly, if you're drinking a seltzer with lime, someone doesn't know that you're drinking that versus a, a seltzer with vodka. You know, right. if you're drinking okay. a drink that has a lime in it with a straw at the at the pub, I don't think anyone knows it. But what you do notice if you're the one drinking seltzer is how much less intelligent everyone tends to become <laughs> and how much more intelligent you become by comparison and all of a sudden, everyone else is laughing at your jokes because you're that much smarter than them. In that moment, you kind of notice that interesting dynamic. Um, there is. Have you ever dreamed of launching, scaling, and one day selling your recruitment business? If so, I highly recommend you speak to Recruitment Entrepreneur. Founded by former Dragon's Den star James Kahn, Recruitment Entrepreneur is the world's leading private equity firm specifically focused on the recruitment industry. They invest in startups and scale-ups and have already backed over 30 founders. There's no reason why you couldn't be their next joint venture partner. James's first company, Alexander Mann, sold in 2013 for $260 million. His second venture, Humana International, he grew with Doug Bugie to over 140 offices in 30 countries before selling to MRI. James and his team are actively looking for ambitious recruiters from across the United States and around the world who want to partner with them to launch and scale successful recruitment businesses. They provide the funding, expertise, mentoring, and back office support to make your dream a reality. To learn more about Recruitment Entrepreneur in the USA or anywhere globally, go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash VC as in venture capital. Book a discovery call with them and be sure to tell them that you were sent by Mark Whitby in the Resilient Recruiter podcast. Once again, visit recruitmentcoach.com forward slash VC. Hey, Jordan, um, I wanted to circle back to the news. Right now, people are starting to panic. Recruiters are starting to panic because of big tech firms especially announcing hiring freezes and layoffs and they're like they're letting go hundreds of people at one time and combined with interest rates going up stock market going down um you know cost of living you know inflation you know going through the roof and so people are scared of you know that we're going into a slowdown which could turn into the next recession sure what what is your mindset towards that um so uh, a couple things yeah i feel like the old guy now i've been through this many recessions i actually have now <laughs> having started in 2000 yeah. i can remember 9 11 and the recession that actually started before 9 11 i can remember 08 09 um and so i can i i can actually say i've been through several of these recessions a top talent is always hard to find so if you place A players, you place the not in play players, um, you know, and you've developed uh, a tight niche and become the expert in your niche, you know, the last line, you know, the strongest lion gets the last gazelle. And I remember every one of these recessions in the past, if it becomes that, if and when it does, um, I feel like 75% of the recruiters that got into recruiting because it was such an easy business with low barrier to entry, 
they exit the business and they go do mortgages or they go do this or that. Like I'm, I'm trying to think back in 02, like everyone got out of recruiting and went into like different things. Um, you know, but a lot of your competition will go away. So if you're great at what you do, um, it becomes an opportunity to get a bigger piece of the overall pie. Um, you know, so, uh, that's one thing, uh, two, I feel like hiring, uh, I don't know if it's like a lagging indicator or maybe hiring it salespeople, which is what I specialize in. It like lags 18 months from when you hear mm-hmm. about hiring slowdown. Maybe it's cause I, I happen to be in the technology space that technology companies keep hiring for, uh, 18 months after that. So hey, I need to be making hay while haymaking is good for the next 18 months because there might be a slowdown. Um, you know, that that's something else. Uh, something that's always a good idea is save your money. Live within your means. Yeah, really? Um, yes. we, we, you know, having bought this RV new in 2008, um, we have it paid off. You know, we are pretty much liquid. I think the only thing we owe money on are properties that we own that are rental properties and are cash flowing for us. So um, we live a very high quality of life. I believe we're living our dream, but we certainly live within our means. We're certainly not keeping up with the Joneses because the Joneses change whatever we change our V parts. But, um, you know, <laughs> save your money, keep your expenses low, um, buy things in cash, don't finance things. You know, there is no greater feeling than owning my house in Oregon outright. And um, my taxes are three grand a year. My insurance is a couple grand a year. I know that if shit really hits the fan, as long as I have five grand in the bank, I could pay my taxes and insurance for the year and I own my house. I don't have a mortgage, you know, so that's a great idea, Um, you know, but also keep your expenses as low as possible. Uh, I'm a big fan of Robert Kiyosaki, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He's yep. got a game called Cash Flow. It's like a board game, but it's a real eye-opener that um, the the easiest, the objective is the game is to accumulate assets such that your asset, your cash flow coming off your assets exceeds your expenses, and then you are essentially financially free. The The goal of the, the board game is to become financially free. And when you play it enough, you realize it is so much easier to become financially free as the janitor than it is as the lawyer. <laughs> you know, one has expense of like 3000 a month. One has expense of 10000 a month. Um, and it's a lot easier to accumulate assets and throw off enough cash flow to become financially free when your expenses are lower. So anyways. I got you. So the two main points were um, live within your means, save you know, keep some cash reserves for a rainy day. And uh, you kind of did a nice reframe on the whole idea of a recession being that number one, uh, tough, you know, top town is always tough to find and companies are still going to need, you know, A players. And secondly, it thins out the competition. Yeah. So um, it's an opportunity to get a bigger piece of, of the market share. Um, and it, it, uh, it's an opportunity for specialists to really shine. So if you're a generalist, you know, maybe start carving into a niche now, um, you know, the, the tighter you are in your niche, if you dominate your market, then you're going to be just fine. A hundred percent. And I think 
like what I've seen, because I, well, you and I started sim- around the same time in recruiting. I think you were 90... 2000. When did May, you start? May of 2000. Oh, you were 2000. Okay, so I started 97. And um, so the dot-com bubble, I was placing, I, I think I placed four or five people with this e-commerce company and then they didn't get their second round of funding and then they didn't pay us, which was kind of a bummer, but, uh, you know, live and learn. And then I started my business in September, 2001. And, um, which was interesting, interesting times. (laughs) Um, and, uh, and then 2008, 2009. So yeah, I feel like it's not fun for sure. And it, 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 um, it's not easy. You're you're not necessarily going to have your best ever year when uh, shit hits the fan. But it's everything is temporary. The cycle of you know great times like right now we're still I would say in a you know a super crazy hot market and that can't last forever. It's not sustainable. Whether it's you know in three months time or twenty twenty three or sometime after that. You know that's gonna uh, that's gonna slow down, and it's not fun when that happens. But it's it's just temporary. If you can get through that tougher trading period, and um, you know keep keep building your market dominance within your niche, then you know you're going to be fine. Um, yeah, yeah. It's well, only temporary. And so so now would be the time to train up. Uh, sharp sharpen your saw sharpen your skills you know people listening to this podcast people that are investing in themselves keep learning keep growing you know because you you're going to need it when times get tough and um you know the the marketplace is uh it's kind of like a battlefield so you know you you want to get strong before you need to go on to the battlefield so well a battlefield's an interesting um I, I, the analogy, I like, I, I don't even so much worry about competition, Jordan, because what I want to do is build a community and, um, of people who you like a community within your ecosystem that you serve. Yeah. And to, uh, be prominent within that community and be giving and adding value and, uh, really stepping into a, a self appointed leadership role within that community yeah. where you're very visible and you're, you know, communicating a lot, not just promotional stuff, but you're like, that's part of the reason I'm doing this podcast, of course, is to be visible within the recruiting space and also just to be helping people as much as possible. And that definitely comes back to me. Um, and I'm, you know, I feel like every recruiter could has an, a similar opportunity within their space. If you're a specialist within a niche, if you are um, serving people and adding value and trying to help people and building that community, then you're the one that people are going to turn to in tougher times and that your competitors are, you know, are going to fall by the wayside. Absolutely. Well, and also, you know, um, another thing about recessions, when it is tougher times, you have more access to senior decision makers because they they want your help personally, you know, as opposed to you call them a hundred times to to market to them and help them build their team. They never return your call. If you have a senior level opportunity, they return your call in five minutes, you know, or if they're on shaky ground where they're at, they'll at least take your call and talk to you about their background so you keep them in mind for senior, right. if they know that you 
you uh, specialize in those senior level types of opportunities. So it's a great opportunity to, to build those relationships with senior decision makers so that when you come out of it, um, you know, you've got you, you, you've kind of moved up to a higher level in the pecking order. Absolutely. A hundred percent. The other thing which I the mistake I hear a lot of recruiters making during like hiring uh, booms like we're having right now is, you know, I don't care about I don't need to do client development. I don't need new clients. I'm too busy. I just need candidates. And I'm like, um, that is going to come back and bite you, my friend. You always need to be developing client relationships, even if you've got tons of uh, orders. And you know, worst case scenario, you can upgrade, you can top grade your clients and be more selective about who you partner with. But um, you know, the recruiters who forget, who don't have those client relationships that they're nurturing over time, when the market turns, then um, you know, you're going to be out of luck. Is, is, I don't know. What is, do you think? This is absolutely true. Yeah, um, whoever has the most clients typically wins. Um, you want, you want to be getting at a minimum, getting those, those agreements in place, uh, now so that you can leverage them if, and when the times get tough, but yeah, yeah. It, it, you don't realize that, uh, the shift comes until all of a sudden, whoa, um, now these companies won't put new fee agreements in place. Um, now they're like, oh, you know, you get into that situation of approved. Well, I, I don't even want to talk about approved vendor list, but um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you 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 want to be capitalizing on the opportunity to, to get get relations with as many clients now as possible. Yeah, so absolutely. At the end of the day, clients pay our fee, so you know I, exactly. I think those those are relationships you always want to prioritize. Exactly, Jordan. This has been awesome. We're out of time for today, but uh, we've covered. A lot of ground, and uh, I appreciate you, man. Uh, I I really appreciate you taking the time to do this, and I'm sure people are going to really enjoy hearing, you know, your your wise and um, seasoned, let's say, take and yeah. um, perspective on things. Thank you. Happy, happy to do it, Mark, and uh, uh, hope people get some value out of it. And uh, always great chatting with you. You too. All right. Enjoy your uh, cycle this evening and um, stay healthy. Thanks, my man. You too. Thank you for listening to The Resilient Recruiter. I know how busy recruiters are, so I'm honored that you're investing this time with me each week. I don't take your attention for granted. That's why I'm going all out to deliver value for you here. Real insights you can apply to improve your business. And if you really want to help me to reach a wider audience and impact more people, please consider leaving the show a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you leave me a review, please reach out and let me know so I can thank you personally. Please hit the subscribe button and I'll see you next time.